G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. Wendy Francis, who is the Acting Managing Director of the Australian Christian Lobby and for disclosure, so you're aware, she's also a director on uh, Vision's board. Good morning, Wendy. How are you? I'm good, Phil. We're both in acting positions today. <laughs> yes, we could be act- actors <laughs> together, as, as I feel in for Neil at this end. And, uh, we can. And, and firstly, yeah. how are things? You are in Canberra at the moment, right? I am in Canberra, is yeah. It, is so, it getting um, chilly in Canberra yet? Uh, well, today it's looking quite overcast, but I understand that yesterday, I was I came down like last night, and I understand yesterday was quite hot, but yeah, the, the, the trees are just starting to turn that yellow, ah, yes. so... Um, yeah, something that uh, certainly Queenslanders don't get are those seasons. So it's very beautiful when the seasons are it is, so spectacular. Yeah, mm. absolutely glorious when the, the trees start to turn, the poplar trees and, and all of that, and they lose yeah. their leaves. It's a lovely time of the year. It is. If only it everything is. happened in politics was as lo- lovely, and uh, that's what we're going to yeah. talk about today. And there's lots going on. Let's uh, let's turn our thoughts to the New South Wales state election. That's only a few days away, and as you tend to hear in these kinds of things, the politics on both sides are, are ramping up of what we're going to do that's great. Uh, are there some things that they're doing that are great and maybe some not so great? What's your take on it? Yeah, so w- the main thing we're really concerned about is that both of the major parties have said that they will bring in conversion therapy laws. And so what we've seen certainly in Victoria um, but in other states around the nation are these conversion therapy laws that come in and basically um, they muzzle parents, but they also uh, muzzle pastors and counsellors and even medical practitioners from um, advising particularly children on any way forward uh, as far as gender confusion other than affirming them in their confusion. And so uh, we, are, we have been concerned about this for New South Wales with both leaders saying that they will bring in therapy laws. So we're working really hard um, with them uh, to, I guess, minimise the the, the um, extent to which they bring in these laws. But also one of our focuses has just been on the upper house to get people elected in the upper house who will be able to uh, vote against restricting parents and church leaders' rights to speak the truth to their, to their children. So we've, our campaign has been largely focusing on the upper house um, and this is one of the big reasons. Yeah. yeah. And the upper house has played a crucial role, and particularly those who've held the balance of power, Fred Noel most notably over, gosh, mm-hmm. I don't know how long now that uh, that he's been in parliament. It's been decades. But he's retiring, yeah. and there's uh, there's a lot that's kind of either up for grabs or at stake in the upper house this time around, isn't there, in New South Wales? There really is. And in the upper house, you can get elected even on a small um, number of votes, and a lot of it goes to the preventing as well. But all eyes for us have been on Lyle Shelton because in a miracle, um, he he drew when you draw where you're going to be on the voting slip. He's drawn number one, A, like the column number one. 
And so that's uh, incredibly exciting because there is a certain degree of people who walk in and say, oh, I'm just going to go number one. Um, so we're excited about that, but it, it also makes sure that people see where he is because sometimes when you want to vote for somebody and you go in and there's this big long street, you can't even find them, but people will be able to find him straight away. So we'd be excited to see Lyle um, elected, but we're also pretty excited about the One Nation chances as well. So Mark Latham has, uh, in the past, um, in certainly in the past parliament, he's introduced uh, bills that would protect parents' rights to bring up their children according to their own beliefs. And so we would love to see him re-elected. And it's possible that he would get in with another couple of his um, colleagues, which would be amazing too, because they do, this Legislative Council, this upper house, has the potential to block um, what we would see as dangerous new legislation. And, and they also have the opportunity to introduce new bills to Parliament. So there is great power in, in that upper house. I find it fascinating people like uh, Mark Latham or Lyle Shelton uh, and others who you might say are perhaps outliers, even on the, the national scene. You've got people like Bob Catter and others that, that tend to be disruptors. Is that a good way to describe them? Uh, they seem also yeah. to be pretty well, you know, people of, of strong convictions. Might not agree with all of those convictions, but they're very strong in their convictions. Absolutely. And it's interesting, isn't it, because Mark Latham isn't a Queenslander, but a lot of the outlying type of politicians, the ones who do make a bit of a fuss, are often from Queensland. Yeah, they well, are. That's where yeah, you Pauline are, Pauline Hanson's so you, Yeah, that's right. Clive Palmer, some of these people who just made a really big splash. And um, and they say what they really think. And I, and Australians seem to respond to that. Mm. But, the, the I mean, Mark Latham has been a big surprise, I think, in the conservative world because he's just, uh, he thinks very logically. He's one of these people who, uh, I think, aligns himself to values of the kingdom but hasn't actually entered the kingdom himself. So he's not a, he's not a person of faith himself, but he does uh, see the um, the values of the kingdom as being so incredibly logical and, and good for the flourishing of Australia. Mm. And so that he aligns himself to those values. Of course, then you've got Lyle Shelton, who is, you know, a really godly man. So, yeah, it'll be it's going to be very interesting. And we certainly encourage people to vote very carefully and prayerfully. We do have a, an election info page on the ACL website that people can go and see. They can see voting records of people, there's some videos there and there's resources just to help them make an informed decision. Pre-poll has already started, so um, there are a number of people who are, I know, manning, manning pre-poll at the moment and really praying that we will get um, some of these outliers, as you say, elected. Mm. And, a, and a key word you said there, I think, is actually flourishing because it's the difference between a flourishing society and looking after the needs mm. of small elements of that society. They're both really important, but we tend to want to think very much black and white, like there is uh, an answer that, that is 100% correct on either side. But we have to make sure that we do things then and elect people who will be thinking big picture, but at the same time are also thinking about the little guy, the ones ones who are perhaps uh, maligned, but, but not making... Uh, decisions in our society as a whole based on minorities, which sadly, to my view, that seems to be where a lot of politics is at these days. Yeah, exactly. And what we're seeing is that um, big decisions are being made to um, cater for a small group of very, very loud 
um, minor groups. Mm. And so the everyday Australian who is taking their kids to sport on the weekend and too busy to really worry about politics, sometimes they get left behind because they're not actually engaging themselves politically because they're too busy doing life. So totally get... But we, we actually need those people to be engaged um, because otherwise, you know, the, I think it was John Howard or one of those sort of men who said the silent majority, if they don't start speaking up, um, they're not going to be a majority for much longer. So we can't afford anymore to sit back and just think, well, common sense will take take over. This is why someone like Mark Latham has been so um, so good in the, in the parliament because he speaks common sense. Yeah. Well, there's, uh, if you want to uh, learn any more about uh, what's happening there, you guys have got an election candidate forum that's happening tonight. Is it being streamed online? Uh, no, I don't think that one is. It's a live one. It's right. in Liverpool. We've got Lyle Shelton there and um, Tanya Mihalik, who's one of the One Nation ones. So we've been moving them around the, um, the state a bit and going to different places with live forums. We also we did have an online forum. This one... Um, there is a link to RSVP, so I encourage people to go and have a look on the ACL website just in case there is going to be a live section of that too. But at the moment, as far as I know, it's 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 you've got to be there to, to hear that one. But anybody who is anywhere near Liverpool in New South Wales, get there because it will be a really good night. Mm. And although we're talking about largely state-based issues this morning, doesn't matter where you are around Australia, these do spill over and affect all of us. So I think it's important that we lean in and understand what's happening around the nation, and also to pray is an important thing. Let's cross the border mm-hmm. now, go a little north uh, into Queensland, where the Palaszczuk government mm-hmm. is uh, being fairly quiet in the way that it's rushing through some changes to a new telehealth abortion service in Queensland, which mm-hmm. has certainly got your attention uh, as a very dangerous thing. Just uh, This is the first I've heard of this, Wendy, by the way, and so I'm sure there'll be others in that same boat. What's actually happening? Yeah, so I'm not surprised it's the first you've heard of it because, again, they are trying to rush it through. They do have the numbers, uh, but they're trying to do this with as as little fanfare as possible because what they are doing is um, a very dangerous move for women in rural areas particularly. And in in Queensland, we have a lot of uh, communities that are mainly Indigenous and, again, really dangerous for Indigenous communities. So they're wanting to put through a telehealth abortion service. And, you know, I would say from the outset, abortion by telehealth is not healthcare. This is not healthcare. This is legalising do-it-yourself at-home abortions. So we've we've got, you know, we we used to talk about how terrible um, at-home abortions were. We are legalising at-home abortions using... um, putting women at risk, but using a, a controversial drug, it's RU486, and no in-person medical consultation. So we, we're, we're making abortion obviously more prevalent and more dangerous for women. Um, you know, what, what, what this will do will allow women to take abortion drugs without any proper medical supervision. We know that in many instances, there's a high percentage, it's, uh, you know, a, a reasonable percentage of women who take this drug and have to have um, ongoing care because it doesn't actually uh, do what it's supposed to do. And so it's a dangerous drug. Any drug that's going to cause um, the death of something inside you, obviously you know it's a poison, it's going to be dangerous. Yeah. And so we're, we're legalising a dangerous drug 
um, for women to end their pregnancies and basically saying this this is really easy. Um, this is not something that's easy. It will dramatically increase the number of babies killed in the womb, particularly in Indigenous um, places, because uh, in Indigenous areas, abortion is still something that is really frowned on because the the sense of community, the sense of aunties and family are all there gathering around to care for any baby that is born. Um, this will allow uh, a young woman who is not not um, not secure in her pregnancy to actually look think that she can actually um, obtain an abortion easily without anybody even knowing, and it's it's really a dangerous thing uh, for her because the complications that can arise and need urgent medical care. Nobody's even aware that w- of what she's actually taken because so you, it's been you done mentioned- in secret. Sorry, you mentioned before uh, remote or rural areas and also Indigenous people. So is this targeted toward people in places where there aren't medical care generally, the idea being to give easier access to an abortion? Is that right? That's right. That's right. So they're they're saying, and this was brought up even in COVID. So during COVID time, um, the Queensland government brought this up that there might be a need for um, telehealth abortions because people can't get in to see um, doctors. Well, again, at the time, it was uh, the um, medical fraternal actually said, no, this is actually really dangerous because we need women to be able to follow up after taking IU486 because of the high incidence of um, of bleeding, the high incidence of of it not actually completing an abortion and so all of the infection that can come, the dangerous um, side effects that can come afterwards. And, but now all of a sudden it's, well, we've got to make sure that abortion is, is easily accessible and free for any woman who wants to. And I think, you know, some of the problems have arisen. Some of, the, some of these people who are pushing abortion like they are has come after Roe v. Wade, and, and it's almost uh, a panic that, oh, hang on a minute, we don't want abortion services to be wound back in our country, so rather than seeing them wound back, we just want to increase them as much as we possibly can and make sure that everyone can, can access a free abortion whenever, wherever she wants to. Um, but we are completely disregarding the, um, the health of our women. This is putting our women at risk. Mm. Well, uh, engaging with these issues starts with understanding what's going on and understand that uh, ACL is running a webinar uh, about that. Uh, so if you want to learn more about that's happening uh, on Wednesday, the 29th of March, so it's next week at uh, 7 o'clock Queensland time. This is a Queensland issue, but no doubt uh, you know, what happens in one state does move on and affect others. So details about that on the ACL uh, website, I imagine there, Wendy. Um, yeah, thank just, you. Just finally today, let's talk sport. Uh, move away from politics just for a little bit although there's politics at the centre of this particular one. Uh, You may recall, I know you'll be well familiar, and listeners may recall that in uh, in recent times, over the last year or more, uh, there's been some moves by the global swimming body, FINA, and also the International Rugby League body to exclude transgender participants from their women's sports on the basis of fairness. But it seems that Basketball Victoria hasn't been paying a lot of attention to that, and they're going in a different direction. They are, and this is right on the heels of uh, as well. Like I think, just to start off this conversation, I just want to uh, mention to people that in uh, Canada there has been now a a record broken by a trans, so a man who is identifying as a woman. He has broken uh, a, the record for a women's race. Now, 
um, what this means is that women will no longer be able to actually break records in that race mm. because he has set the bar so high. So women are being excluded from their own sport. Um, they, are, they are no longer able to win in some of these top sports. So what Basketball Victoria are saying, that you know, that they're claiming they're committed to fairness, inclusion and safety, but they're, they're doing exactly the opposite because they're allowing natal males to compete in this semi-professional women's league. So not only are they setting the bar so high for you to get into a team, because we all know the... Um, the biological and the physical uh, attributes of a male are going to be so much, are going to actually uh, benefit them so much more in sport than a woman. So it's going to be harder for a woman to actually get in the team. And once you, and when you are playing uh, a game like basketball and there is a collision, then the, the women are the ones who are going to come off second best. Yes. They're going to be the ones who get hurt. Um, so there's women's, opportunities in sport are actually being totally taken away from them and prejudiced against them because men are allowed to play now in these females' competitions. So it's I, I find it just so frustrating. You talk to somebody like um, Deborah Lovely, you know, who was uh, the weightlifter, and she's just like infuriated that men now are taking the place of women in a sport that women fought for so long to actually have a place in. you know. And yet now we have men who definitely have physical advantage over females in terms of size, their strength, their speed, their agility. It's why we have separate tennis competitions, you know. Um, so it's not safe and it's not fair for males to be allowed to compete against females in this way. And it's certainly inclusion is a ridiculous word to use because we're certainly not including women um, anymore when we when we actually say, oh, in terms of inclusion, we've got to include men um, who then deter female athletes from even pursuing a career because they just think, well, I'm not going to even be able to make it on the team. Yeah, it's pretty crazy when you think it through because if you took that inclusion argument, you'd basically say, well, there are no gender-based sports at all. Uh, it's a free-for-all for anybody to participate in anything and including to the point of, well, I'm actually not that good at basketball, but I should be able to play as well. Where, where do you stop here? And it seems to me the line uh, should be fairly clear that it's based on your ability and part of that is driven by your uh, your physical attributes. Exactly. And so it is based on our ability, but we should have a fair... Um, there should be a fair playing field. So my ability should be based on another woman's ability as well, not against uh, a man who I will never be able to actually beat in terms of of size, in terms of speed, in terms of strength. A man's body is built differently to a woman's, and so the strength is going to be more um, favourable to a man, and you know, across the board. So, you know, for we do want an equal playing field, but that is woman against woman and man against man. And uh, that's Basketball Victoria who are doing that at the moment. I'm sure that uh, if you have, you're passionate about this, then you might like to get in contact with them. Uh, I know that uh, the ACL are uh, encouraging them uh, in the opposite direction of where they're heading at the moment. And just finally, yeah. Wendy, as we wrap up here, there's, uh, there's a high-stakes by-election to staying in Victoria at the moment in Aston coming up on the 1st of April. 
Uh, it's seen as the first electoral judgment of how well the Albanese government has responded to the cost of living crisis with 41% huge number of residents uh, in that electorate having a mortgage and there's been 10 consecutive interest rates that everybody's feeling at, at the moment. It'll be interesting to see how that one goes. Yeah, it really is interesting because it is a test, I guess, of how how people are judging the Albanese government. And so uh, it, it will be interesting to watch. Um, sadly, you know, when it comes to the issues that really concern us in terms of parental rights, particularly in Victoria, um, of education, we have not been able to get either the government or the opposition to really engage on some of these more important issues. And I'm not saying that the, you know, the cost of living is not important because it really is. But when you're talking to parents about their children who are being taught in school that they can change their gender at any time of the day um, and they don't even have to talk to their get permission from their parents, that's really important to parents as well. Um, so we, we found it hard to engage with the government on this, but that is one of the areas that we're really trying to, to highlight in terms of this Aston by-election because also in Aston, in the electorate of Aston, there is an, a high number of Christian schools, for instance. And so at the moment, the ability for Christian schools to hire, um, hire teachers and staff that will adhere to their religious ethos that's under threat. And so we're asking those questions of each of the candidates as well. Do you support Christian schools being able to hire people of their faith? Um, and that those are important questions too. Unfortunately, uh, those are, are losing ground at the moment. Um, but ACL is committed to really pushing strong on the ability for Christian schools to, to continue to work within a community of faith. Mm. Wendy Francis, as always, good to talk, and thanks for the update. Thanks, Phil. Appreciate it. That's Wendy Francis. She's the Acting Managing Director of the Australian Christian Lobby. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.